Hey guys, welcome back to our midweek Wadi College podcast, Come and See. My name is Caroline Head. I'm a communications intern here at Watkinsville First Baptist Church, and I've got the college pastor Vic Doss here and communications pastor Joel Shimpo, and we're going to be answering some questions today that you guys sent in from the sermon on Sunday over the last half of James 1. And here's the first one. Someone texted in, in verse 17 of James chapter 1, it talks about how God gives good things. And we always talk about how he only does good for us, I think meaning Christians. He only does good things for us as Christians. So where does the prosperity gospel go wrong in his theology? The prosperity gospel says Christians don't suffer, that they never experience poverty. That's part of the goodness of God is him allowing those things to happen in our life because they expose idols in our life. They give us reasons to trust in God more. They push us closer in relationship to God. So where the prosperity gospel gets it wrong is it leaves out 80% of humanity's actual experience, which is pain and suffering. And if you think coming to Jesus is going to make everything perfect and there's going to be no pain or suffering, the, the long answer to that is yes, someday, but not today. So in James 1, it says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. So James differs right there with the prosperity gospel and saying we're going to face trials. I think where James also adds in a very important part is the fact that God gives to us and he's the giver of every good and perfect gift. So even though we go through trials, God's there to meet us with good gifts. And so when we are struggling, when we're in a hard moment, you'll see little graces of where God just takes care of us, where he meets us, where he loves us. And in those things, we really treasure those, I think, even more because of the difficult situations of life. So when it says that we are to count all joy in sufferings, what does that really mean to have joy in our sufferings? What does that look like? So here's what Christian joy is. It's actually an emotion. It's not something you can control. That makes sense? And and what I mean by that is if, I think I heard Piper use this illustration. If you're camping and there's a bear outside your tent, you don't have to say, there's a bear. You see a silhouette of a bear. You go, oh, there's a bear. Bears are scary. Uh, logical conclusion is I should be afraid. That's not, like you're instantly afraid, right? So that's what I mean by joy is that. that like when you're in a trial, this is what Christian joy is. It is the Holy Spirit somehow helping you see the beauty of Jesus in his word and the world. That's what joy is. Seeing the beauty of Christ in the midst of incredible pain and suffering. That's joy. Yeah. And you feel that. That's yeah. not a it's not something you make yourself yes. do. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. So that's a really good point because uh, my example would be of uh, a woman that I visited in the hospital who's been a believer for a very long time. And when you visit her in the hospital, uh, she's not like forcing herself to be happy. She's just happy. And yeah. you're like, you're, you're close to dying. Uh, there's been a hundred things that have gone wrong in your life and you're happy. And again, it's not like she's sitting there calculating, like, I know the Bible says to consider it joy. So therefore, like, I'm trying to work this out. It is instantaneous, like Vic was saying, in her heart, because, again, because everything in her life is wrapped up in who Jesus is. And if that's the case for us, then no matter what happens, 
no matter like how difficult it gets, there is something about us that says, like, it doesn't really matter because I know Jesus. Right. You see the worth and excellency of Jesus and the beauty of Jesus. That's and and it's an that that is a great example. Well, like people who've walked with Jesus for a long time, which fits with the James narrative of steadfast, uh, this constant walk with the Lord, they don't have to drum up joy. It just spills out of them, especially when you get toward the end, like because they realize I'm almost done with this monotonous, painful world, and I'm headed somewhere where I will, will where I will know as I have been known and there will be no pain, no more suffering. And so that you don't, that's what joy is. And I think there's a misunderstanding really of, of, of what it is. Like, like I think a lot of times we treat joy as an idea and not as what it is. And I think it's an emotion that, that it's this deep seated feeling of the, the beauty and the worth of Jesus no matter what the circumstance. In our passage this past Sunday, we talked about temptation. And one of the examples we went to was at the end of Jesus' life here on earth, uh, he had a moment with Peter where he told him that he was allowing Satan to sift him like wheat is actually what Jesus says. So Jesus, in effect, is allowing Peter to go through this trial, this temptation of holding fast to him. And we know that ultimately Peter fails. Peter denies Jesus three times. So the question we received was, well, why does God allow us to be tempted like that if he knows we're going to fail? If God knows everything, then then why allow that? Yeah, so the big, so the big answer is this. Why, why does God do anything? And, and the reality is God does everything he does for his own glory. If we think of failure in terms of this world, what happens in this world, then, then that's pretty short-sighted. The assumption is that God ultimately is going to fail. Well, he, he doesn't fail us. This, are you ready for this obscure reference? Lamentations. You ready for that? That's where your pages of your Bible are still stuck together. Amazing. Lamentations 3, 19. This is after Israel, the nation of Israel, fails miserably. And Jeremiah writes this. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it. It is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have a hope. So Israel has failed miserably. This is Jeremiah the prophet speaking for uh, the people of Israel. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. God allows the failure sometimes so that we can see he is our portion. He is our hope. And that his steadfast love never fails. And that this world is not the answer. I think that's ultimately the reason he allows it. Because if the best thing for you is to experience the best thing in the universe, if that's the best thing for your soul, and the best thing in the universe is God, whatever God has to allow to push you into that relationship and that closeness. Joel, you said earlier, the example of Job. Yeah, Job is a great example. In fact, if you want a story 
that will help you filter through lots of other stories happening in your life. Read the book of Job and let that just sit in your mind. I don't know. There's something about that story. It's amazing because there's not like tons of commentary around the book that say like, this is what you should think about. This is more just like a story that sits with you and helps you understand your world. Anyways, what I'm getting at is with Job, after he goes through these incredible hardships, like we can read it and be like, oh, that that, that was kind of crazy. He just lost his whole family and everything he owned. But, but if that was us, I mean, it's complete and utter devastation. It's our life is over kind of moment. And that's what Job experiences. But at the end of it, we see Job have this moment with God where God just reveals himself and comes to him, speaks to him and calls some things out in his life, affirms some things in his life, and then moves on with his life. <laughs> so, so what do we do with that? Well, we can see from a perspective that says that this life isn't everything, that having that moment with God could be worth much more than anything else we experience in this life. So if you fail, you need to run to God. We said that Sunday, run to Jesus and ask him why you failed if you don't know, right? So just that's number one, run to Jesus. If he shows you through the Holy Spirit that you failed because of sin, then confess your sin, make it right. Ask for wisdom. I think James is clear in that, that, that in the middle of that kind of crisis, you need wisdom because you, obviously you failed because you didn't have the wisdom to deal with it. So ask, throw yourself on God's mercy, ask for wisdom. And then the last thing would, would be this, you have to remember the character of God. And that's ultimately what James is getting at in chapter one, is that God is good. He gives good things. There is no altering in him. You, you have to cling to this idea. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? It all comes back to Jesus and what you believe about him and what has he done for you. You have to remember that. Lean hard into the character and nature of God who is good and gives good gifts. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. That is all we have for you. But we're looking forward to seeing you back here next week. And don't forget to join us on Sundays at the 1130 service to hear Vic and Joel talk through the chains. See you next week.